We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Twenty minutes a day. 65 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Thanks so much for joining me today. We are going to kick things off right away with the Jordan Love fifth year option discussion and decision because it's a very interesting one, and there were certainly a lot of hot takes on the internet. If you, met, if you missed it, yesterday I did a bonus episode going over what could potentially happen with Jordan Love, and it was titled why the Packers must pick up Jordan Love's fifth-year option or something like that. But in the description, it said, unless, dot, dot, dot. And if you listen to the episode, it was unless they were able to come to some sort of compromise or agreement that would potentially make sense for both sides. And basically, the agreement that ended up getting made was almost the identical thing that I proposed yesterday, which was basically, hey, what makes sense here is some sort of compromise for the Packers maybe to take on less guaranteed money next year, for Jordan to get additional money and potential incentives. And that is exactly what Green Bay and Jordan Love agreed to to sort of avoid this entire fifth year option and not even have to go necessarily in that direction. So to back things up just a little bit, the option that Green Bay had on the table was a one-year $20.27 million deal. And one year, $20.27 million for a starting quarterback, not the worst thing in the world. However, this is a one-year 20.27 fully guaranteed deal. One year, $2.27 million fully guaranteed deal. So that is a very big, fully guaranteed contract, specifically for a player who has never played. And Brian Gutekunst said just as much, and it kind of got lost in the shuffle of everything because of all the draft picks and everything that was going on. But he was asked about the fifth-year option over the weekend and said, you know, why would you not do it? And he's basically saying, he did say, hey, that's a lot of money 
for a guy that hasn't played. And it a million percent is. And that's why this is a, a total no man's land in, in this sort of situation. There's no precedent whatsoever for a player that's you have to make a decision on their fifth year option who is basically not played in a regular season game. Yes, he had the start against Kansas City. He had some, you know, a, a nice performance against the Philadelphia Eagles coming in for Aaron. A couple, you know, mop-up duty things here and there, but no real, you know, performance or data or anything that you can really make your decision on for with with any real justification based on how little that he's played, right? It is an extremely, extremely small sample size. So Green Bay had a few different options that they could sort of go with. And those options were just simply pick up the fifth year option. And they traded away Aaron. They took his entire salary cap hit this year. And they could have just said, hey, all right, you know what? We're going to take the one year, twenty point two seven million, which certainly would have you know been understandable and within the realm of possibility. They could have declined the option entirely, and one of the reasons that they could think of it that way is because they have the franchise tag at their disposal. So, if you know they had uh, a bit of, and I don't even want to go over this word again, but they had some leverage in this situation. In fact, they had a lot of leverage in this situation, meaning they could decline Jordan's option. Jordan gets nothing guaranteed moving forward. If he performs poorly or extremely poorly, he's going to have to go find his own deal on the free agent market next year, which is probably in that, you know, five to seven million range on a one year deal, not fully guaranteed. So Jordan is on his own. He gets no guarantees in that situation. And, you know, again, if if he's bad, the, the Packers don't have anything that they have to pay him next year. Meanwhile, if he goes and crushes it and balls out, all right, we can just use the franchise tag is what they're thinking, right? So they have a great deal of leverage that they can kind of let this play out kind of more than Jordan can. Now, if Jordan thinks that he's going to you know, completely ball out, you can make the argument of like, all right, I'll call your bluff, but there's still risk in that. If you have some sort of catastrophic injury, you're not getting any of that guaranteed money. There, So there is some legitimate risk that Jordan has to decide upon. And let's just be abundantly clear here. We're going to get to his contract that he ultimately signs in just a moment. $13.5 million guaranteed is nothing to sneeze at. And that is a very big financial, you know, just you know, security blanket that you have for yourself moving forward. So we can all say somebody should bet on themselves. 13.5 million fully guaranteed is a tough thing to look away from. And we'll get to more on that in just a moment. But Green Bay's first option was pick up the fifth year. They could have done that. They could have just simply declined it. The third option that both sides had is that they could have ultimately, you know, decided that they wanted to sign a long-term extension and that they wanted to do something that, hey, we're not going to do just a, a one-year thing. We're going to do a long-term deal. We want to get you under contract in Green Bay for the foreseeable future. I think that, if you want it, like in a couple things, is probably not ideal for either side. From Green Bay side of things, they don't get to see what Jordan looks like in the regular season. So it probably doesn't really make sense at this point. They're probably better off just even picking up the fifth-year option than going a long, long-term route. And for Jordan Love, if you do want to say like, hey, he should bet on himself, then he should bet on himself by going out and playing first and showing what he's capable of. Because if he does, he's going to get the mother load, right? So I don't necessarily think a long-term extension was really a, a super great idea for either side at this point. And then the last option that they have is ultimately what came to fruition. And that is working out some sort of compromise. You don't do the fifth-year option. 
Green Bay saves a little bit on the guaranteed side. Jordan Love gets a little bit more opportunity with incentives, gets a little bit more money up front. We'll go over the full details in just a moment, but those were basically the options they had. So pick up the fifth year, fifth year decline the fifth year, work on a long-term extension or work on some sort of compromise. And of course, the ultimate answer that they decided upon was in fact a compromise. Now, the final terms of the extension, we don't know the full exact details quite yet, at least as I'm recording this, Every single, uh, you know, salary cap minutia of what is going to be in the year one of the deal and year two of the deal that we have not seen yet. However, what we do know is that this is ultimately a one-year extension worth up to $22.5 million and $13.5 million of that is fully guaranteed. So if you remember, the last contract or the fifth-year option, I guess I should say, not the contract, but the fifth-year option was a little bit over $20 million. So Jordan in this situation actually has the ability to go above and beyond the 20 million that he was set to make with the fifth year option, but a lot of that is going to be incentive-based to get him to that 22.5 million. But he does have that opportunity to earn more money with this contract than he would have on the fifth year option. So that is a bit of a bonus for Jordan. Meanwhile, for Green Bay, instead of having 20 plus million guaranteed on the fifth year option, they now have that one year with only 13.5 million guaranteed. So they save some money. If things go horribly wrong, if there is that catastrophic injury, whatever it might be, both sides sort of get a level of security and they kind of meet in the middle by being able to do so. Now, per Bill Huber, um, a source did tell Packer Central that Love received a big raise, quote, a big raise for 2023 as part of the deal. Now, that doesn't change the logistics here. What he was set to make in 2023, plus that one-year extension up to $22.5 million, that's still going to combine. What this likely means, and what I'm willing to bet, is that Green Bay is going to use a lot of signing bonuses that are going to prorate, you know, potentially either for, for sure this year or next year, but they may even do it longer than that. And what will happen is that Jordan is going to get a ton more money up front in this deal than he would have if he had, you know, just signed the fifth year option. Had he signed the fifth year option, he doesn't get that money until the, you know, game, the, the weekly game checks next week. Right, because this is it, the the fifth year option has no signing bonus. It's just a guaranteed base salary, which means that that twenty million, you know, basically will get paid one million a week over seventeen weeks, a little over a million, obviously, but over seventeen weeks, and that's how he's going to get paid. If he now has a large signing bonus as a part of this deal, he gets that money right now. So there is some advantage financially for Jordan to say, hey, I'll, I'll take that money right now and not have to wait, you know, week by week for next season. He, he can have a little bit more of that up front, which, you know, nobody's ever going to frown upon either. So uh, I do think that Jordan is going to get more upfront money as part of this deal. Now, again, functionality wise, we don't know how it's going to affect the 2023 salary cap. We're going to have to wait and sort of see the numbers on that. Uh, but this is likely why Green Bay did the Darnell Savage restructure, which we're going to also get to more in just a moment. But that freed up some additional salary cap space this year, which likely is going to add a little bit of Jordan Love, uh, you know, additional salary to the 2023 salary cap. They're going to cut down from that potential 20 you know, plus million in 2024. And again, I just think this ultimately made sense for both sides. So we don't have the full structure of everything yet, but you can basically tell just by everything that's happened of exactly how this is going to play out uh, when that contract does ultimately make its way to the public. So as I mentioned, 
I hate the the L word at this point because we just got rid of the whole Aaron Rodgers situation and who had more leverage between the Packers and the Jets. I didn't even want to talk leverage when I was breaking down offensive linemen in the draft because the leverage uh, word was just, I was done with it. But here's the situation, right? A lot of people are saying, all right, well, why would Jordan do this deal? This doesn't make any sense from Jordan's side of things. He was almost assuredly going to get, you know, the, the, you know, fifth year option and, you know, even if he didn't, like if he goes and plays amazing, well, then he's going to get massively paid. That is true to some extent, to some extent. However, Green Bay does have some legitimate leverage in these conversations. And the first thing that I mentioned is exactly what I talked about a little bit earlier, is that Green Bay had options here. And I do think there is a very good chance that Green Bay, instead of picking up the fifth-year option, that at minimum they were able to threaten it. And I think there's a legitimate chance that they may have not picked it up. And again, the reason being is that if he starts to play well, you have all year to work out a contract extension. And even if you don't figure out a contract extension, you still have the transition tag, the franchise tag, the exclusive franchise tag. You have a couple different options at your disposal. So Green Bay had that sort of leverage over Jordan and his agent to say, hey, we may not pick up this fifth year option. Let's start talking about something that would make sense for both of us rather than either of us going into next season, having to figure out a franchise tag and all of that. Because I do think legitimately that there is you know, I don't think either side wanted to go into 2024 with Jordan out without, you know, some sort of contract. From the Packers side of things, to go into next year without him under contract would not have been ideal. Reason being is they're still going to have some financial restraints next year because they're still working through all of the stuff that they borrowed from future salary caps. Darnell Savage's restructure is now going to hit probably almost all on next year's salary as well. More on that in a moment. But they're going to have a lot of still, you know, tough pills to swallow as they start to get fiscally responsible over the course of the next couple seasons and eat some of these dead cap hits that they gave themselves from trying to win over the last few years. So adding on a huge franchise tag next year, if they're not able to come to some sort of long-term extension is not ideal for Green Bay. And you don't necessarily want him to go into next year as a true free if he has, if he plays amazing you don't necessarily want to go into next year with him just being a true free agent and you know even though you have that franchise tag available those things can just become a little bit more um, difficult to have those conversations those long-term extensions if you've got him under a one-year you know 20 million dollar ish with only 13.5 million guaranteed depending on how those incentives hit it'll it gives you a little bit more opportunity to work on a long-term deal it gives you a little bit of leverage down the road so it made sense for Green Bay that they ultimately want to get him under contract as well. For Jordan, you know, A, you know, again, we, we talked about it, but he, you know, he was going to want some financial security if, in case things go poorly. And it, this is agent driven, right? This is why you have an agent to kind of walk you through these situations because Jordan might be saying, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't need any of that or whatever, but that's where an agent steps in and says, Again, A, if you have a catastrophic injury, B, if you go out and have a, a poor season, and you, it's not like you're surrounded with like a Devontae Adams and like all these incredible, like you're going with only first and second year receivers, primarily rookie tight ends, uh, with both of their guys probably expected to be the primary tight ends. 
Yeah, you've got Aaron Jones. Yeah, you've got David Bakhtiari, but this is a very young offense. It's all going to be learning together. If you go out and have a bad year, in part because maybe your supporting cast just isn't quite where it needs to be, or again, you have some sort of injury, that's going to make things very complicated on getting sort of a long-term deal or the money that you would ultimately would have gotten paid next year had you just agreed to this deal with Green Bay. So I do think Green Bay had the leverage to say, hey, we're not going to pick up this option. Let's figure out a compromise and let's do something different. And as I've said sort of all along with this, I do make I do think that it ultimately made sense for both sides to do so. So let's just kind of wrap it up in one easy way, why this ultimately made sense for Green Bay. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. A, and on its simplest terms, you don't have to give $20.27 million in a fully guaranteed one-year deal for a player who hasn't played a full season or even close to it, has barely played whatsoever, and that is a little bit of risk that I'm sure Green Bay ultimately didn't want to take. Again, the fact that he hasn't you know, even made more than one start complicates things, and the fact that there's no precedent for this really complicated things as well. So I'm sure that they did not feel super excited about having to give a guaranteed contract over $20 million in that sort of situation. They had some leverage, as we mentioned. They legitimately could have declined the fifth-year option and still had the franchise tag in their back pocket. So they had some leverage, and they ultimately used it. This gives Jordan Love some, you know, you know, more incentive to play better even this year. I don't think that that's really a concern. I think he's going to come out super motivated, but now he has some financial incentives to play even better. It ultimately saves them some money. And I think the other thing, if, if not wanting to give the guaranteed money and ultimately saving some money are probably a number one, what they wanted to accomplish. The next thing is as much as maybe nobody wants to hear it, this does give them a legitimate out next year if things don't turn out. And if you go through this season and Jordan just wasn't as advertised, wasn't as expected, all right, now Green Bay's going to have at least options going into next year. If you have him on a guaranteed $20.27 million deal, that makes things very, very tough. You can probably, you, you, you can still draft somebody, but now you still have Jordan on the roster and things just kind of get weird and wonky in that situation, right? So now you have a legitimate out where if things go horribly wrong and it just doesn't turn out the way that you're expecting, you can transition off of Jordan and start going in another direction if you absolutely need to go that way. I don't expect it to go that way, but I, I talk about it all the time. General managers are always trying to give themselves outs. You never want to be backed into a corner. And Green Bay's done a pretty decent job of painting themselves into a corner lately. 
I would also say Goody has done a phenomenal job in kind of escaping when it seems like things is, you know, put his back against the wall, getting the deal from the Jets for Aaron Rodgers, getting out of that huge contract, you know, being able to now get Jordan Love on this specific contract. Like they, they, for, for a while, things weren't looking super great, but that huge deal with Green Bay, moving up to 13, picking up pick 42, a first round pick next year. Now you've got Jordan on a little bit of a cheaper deal. Seemed like they were kind of backed into a corner. Goody kind of painted themselves right back out of it. And now they've got some options on the table. And now they have outs if Jordan ultimately does not work out. So, and then the last thing for Green Bay is they saved the franchise tag. Now, I'm not saying they save the franchise tag for next year, meaning that because Jordan's under contract, they can use it on a different player. That's not what I'm talking about. They saved the franchise tag for Jordan, meaning let's say Jordan is amazing and they're just really having a very, very tough time coming to terms on a long-term contract, right? Well, now you have them under contract next year. And then the following year in 2025, you still have the first franchise tag at your disposal. And then in 2026, you have the second franchise tag at your disposal. So there is a you know, benefit to not continuing to use the franchise tag over and over. So if negotiations do get a little bit hairy with Jordan because he has been amazing and now you are in this weird situation, you still have some options at your disposal to use the franchise tag and keep them around while you're still trying to figure out that ultimate long-term deal. So there are some serious wins on Green Bay side of things. As far as Jordan Love, he makes more money up front which is always an advantage. You can go out and spend that money right now. You can invest that money right now. Maybe he has a new venture that he wants to do and he wanted some upfront money. This gives him some upfront money. Whatever it is, upfront money, never a bad thing. And this is what Jordan's going to get in this deal. He does get that financial security. Yes, it would have been better if he got the 20 million guaranteed, but assuming Green Bay was willing to decline that, which it very well, very well might've been the case, now at least he gets 13 mil guaranteed, which none of it was guaranteed had he not played, you know, not signed this deal and had he played poorly and you know this season not gone according to plan. So he gets some legitimate financial security. And as I mentioned, 13.5 million fully guaranteed. Might be saying, you know, some people might say, well, he maybe could have got more. All right, like it's a really difficult thing to say no to 13.5 million guaranteed in that situation. And it's not like he's made like 100 million already. Like this is still a significant amount of money for Jordan Love, whichever way you split it. He also gets some additional incentives for next year. So he can actually make more than the fifth year option ultimately would have been, which is a benefit for Jordan. And here's the biggest thing for Jordan there's almost no downside in this whatsoever, like legitimately. So think this through for a moment. If things go horribly wrong, right? If things go horribly wrong and the season doesn't go as progressed, had he not done this deal and had Green Bay legitimately declined the fifth year option, like I said, he probably gets a maybe five, six million dollar deal on the open market, probably not fully guaranteed. Like that's that's the worst case scenario for Jordan. Or if you do suffer a major injury, maybe you get nothing. Like and maybe he has an insurance plan or whatever, but maybe you legitimately get nothing and that's it. So that was the legitimate downside. With this, he gets the 13.5 million guaranteed, but here's the kicker. Here's, here's the huge thing. Had he balled out under the $20.5 million guaranteed contract, yes, he would have got that 20.5 million guaranteed, but what's going to happen if he balled out? Green Bay is going to sign him to a massive extension and he would have gotten a massive payday. And what's going to happen now if he balls out and plays amazing? Green Bay is going to give him a massive extension and give him a massive payday. So the upside is almost identical. Like if he plays amazing, he's going to get paid all of the money. And now 
he has a little bit more security where if he plays terrible, if something goes horribly wrong, he still gets 13.5 million totally guaranteed. So I think this deal very much makes sense for Jordan Love as well. So uh, the last thing I'll say here is uh, a couple things. A, don't be surprised if Jordan does start to play well during the season, if Green Bay doesn't start having those conversations with him sooner rather than later. And next year's contract that they already signed could never even maybe come to fruition because if he plays amazing to start the year, I think Green Bay is going to start having those contract negotiations sooner rather than later. As I mentioned earlier, I don't think either side wanted to go into next offseason as a fully un- unknown. And the last two things, one is I don't think this is an admission of anything by anyone. I know people were trying to swing this of like, oh, Green Bay doesn't believe in Jordan Love. I don't believe that for a second. I think this is just financially responsible and smart for Green Bay and everything that they should be doing in this sort of situation. And some people are saying like, oh, Jordan must not believe in himself. Like I said, I don't think that's the case as well. If he goes out and plays absolutely amazing, he's still going to get that massive contract that he would have gotten no matter what. So this is just a little bit more security. I think it's financially smart and and just the right deal to do for Jordan Love. If I was his agent, I would be telling him to do the exact same thing. I think this is a legitimate win-win for both sides, which is exactly what you want. It's a great compromise. It helps the Packers. It helps Jordan. And again, it just makes sense for absolutely everyone involved. Now, that does it for the Jordan Love conversation. A couple other notes really quick. I want to start with Darnell Savage restructuring his contract. What's ultimately going to happen is Green Bay is going to save $5.46 million on this year's salary cap, and they're going to have $5.46 million hit next year's salary cap with dead cap hits based on void years with his contract that they're going to sign. That being said, Green Bay did have an interesting option that they put in his contract per Rob Domovsky, where usually in those situations, you're not able to sign them to a new extension. They put in, they put a, a uh, you know, wordage or verbiage, I guess, in the contract. Wordage is not a good word. Verbiage in the contract so that they would ultimately uh, be able to still re-sign him if they wanted to. And I think the thing here is they're giving themselves an option. And again, you want to talk about a front office that is very smart with leaving themselves outs. Most franchises would not have probably put this verbiage in there, but they do so that if Darnell goes out and has an amazing year, they can still sign him to a contract extension. So that will be something that's worth keeping an eye on. But in all likelihood, this is probably Darnell's last year in Green Bay. They save $5.46 million by doing this restructure on this year's deal, and we'll take that pill and have to swallow it with a 5.46 million dead cap on next year's deal. In addition, Rob Domofsky reported that Darnell Savage is expected to have an increased role in the defense this season. So a couple things. First of all, this is kind of like a, yeah, duh, right? And I'm not saying from Rob's side of things like that. It still is a, like, it kind of took me by surprise, like by the reporting. It was like, it's still really good reporting. So not on that side of things, but like when you start to digest it and think about it, it's like, well, they don't have any safeties. So yeah, he's probably going to have an increased role because they don't have starting safeties and they gave him a fully guaranteed deal. I can pretty much be willing to bet you that he's going to line up as the starting free safety when mini camps, OTAs, training camp, et cetera, opens this season. I don't think they're going to attack that position with any real vigor for the remainder of the offseason. Maybe they sign some guy to a vet minimum or something like that, but Darnell Savage is going to be your starting safety. And he just remember though, he was benched a season ago and he came back and I did feel like he played a little bit better after getting benched. But a lot of that was in that star slot position. It wasn't in his traditional safety role. So I'm hopeful. Listen, I saw Savage play in 2020 and I like every year I graded every play in every game that year. He had a really, really good 2020. There was a lot of hope for him coming out of college, first round pick, 
really talented player. And there's nothing that I would want more than Darnell to play like he did again in 2020, which wasn't all pro or pro bowl or anything like that. But you know what it was, you know, what it was just really good safety play. And I'll take that every single day of the week. If he can get back to playing the way he was in 2020, they should look like, you know, should look at an extension in the future. Like he was really good in 2020. So I would love nothing more than that. But this is a player that was benched a season ago, has not played well the last couple seasons, probably played better in the slot that he did at safety. And yeah, he's going to be the starter at safety, but man, th- this is it for Darnell in Green Bay. Like he is going to have to earn it now. And if he does, they've la- you know left himself an option to go out and re-sign him next year. My guess is this is probably Darnell's last year in Green Bay. I hope I'm wrong, meaning that he went and played amazing, but this is going to be something that, again, he's going to have to earn moving forward because his play on the field has not been good enough. And I know we all want to say like Green Bay's put all these investments into defense and everything like that. They better be a top 10 defense this year. This team doesn't have starting safeties. Like they have zero starting starting caliber safeties. Darnell Savage to me is like a decent number six dime option at best. And Rudy Ford is kind of like you want as your like fourth safety that, all right, if there's a couple injuries, he can come in and play and it's not going to be a big issue. And in the meantime, he can go out and play great special teams. Ennis Gaines, back of the roster type of guy, even though I really like Ennis and I'm hoping he can take a step. Anthony Johnson Jr. is a seventh round pick. So they're they're empty at safety. So yeah, Darnell's going to play a lot, but we need to see a better brand of Darnell Savage than what we have. And I'll just end with the, the end ultimately with this. Goot's done some incredible things over the last couple of seasons with this roster to, you know, sort of start turning it over. There's been some missteps along the way. There's no question about it. But to me, one of the biggest missteps was that Darnell Savage fifth year option that they picked up a season ago. So on an episode where we're talking about a really great deal where they didn't pick up Jordan Love's fifth year option and instead worked out a compromise. Picking up that fully guaranteed fifth-year option for Darnell Savage has not aged well, and now they're paying for it, where they basically have to pay him, and they have no way of you know saving any more on his contract, especially now that they re-signed you know signed him and used dead cap hits moving forward. Even if they trade him, they're going to take on that salary cap hit now, and they're basically just stuck with playing him as a starting safety and now have additional dead cap hit into next year as well. So that did not age well, and I'm, I'm maybe... Maybe it will. Maybe it'll age better than what it looks like right now, and Darnell will go ha- go out and have an amazing season. But that was a tough couple of years for Darnell, especially in this Joe Barry defense. Maybe they'll start to use him different. Maybe he'll play better. But that's going to be an interesting thing to keep an eye on through the remainder of this offseason and going in to the 2023 regular season. Last but not least, it was announced as well. Matt Schneidman reported that the Packers will host the New England Patriots for joint practices. Sign me the heck up. The hoodie is going to be in Green Bay in July. Can't freaking wait. That's going to be a ton of fun. Bill Belichick, Matt LaFleur, joint practices at you know Ray Nitschke Field. Like, what more could you possibly want? So that is going to be absolutely amazing. By the way, if you're wondering where today's draft prospect breakdown is, it is coming. It's going to be out at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time later today, so make sure to check that out as well. You are not going to want to miss my breakdown of Jaden Reed. He is a super fun player, and the scouting report is really, really fun. So make sure to check that out. If you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe and hit that little notification button as well so you're notified anytime a new episode comes out. If you haven't noticed, I've been doing a few more episodes here and there, so sometimes there's going to be some really cool stuff that's released. I did an episode with Ben Fennell, an episode with Tony Pauline. Last week, I had the opportunity to chat with Aaron Nagler and Mike Wall and Ben Fennell as well. So a lot of cool stuff out there. Make sure you're checking it all out. And like I said, later today, 11 a.m. Central, you can also check out 
the the full breakdown of Jaden Reed that I'll be posting as well on the YouTube channel. So make sure to check that out. Appreciate you guys as always. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go.